Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Bignall. With me, as always, is my co-host, Robert Zirk. On today's show, we'll speak with Kyle Mason, steering committee member for the Healing Forest Project Winnipeg, to learn more about the collaborative effort to establish a healing forest in St. John's Park as a place for healing, learning, and reconciliation. And then we'll hear from Sonny Promolo of his coverage from the Winnipeg Foundation's Fast Pitch semifinal last week. We're going to hear from some of the participants and coaches, as well as learn how to get your tickets for the showcase that's held at the Met next week. Then, mental health advocate and co-founder of A Critical Cause, Gamers for Mental Health, Kieran Mulchan, will join us in studio. He's the subject of a new mini-documentary about dealing with bipolar 2 disorder, and we'll learn about how he's found balance through the difficult diagnosis. And last but not least, another of Winnipeg's impact makers. Rebecca Kirk, one of the parents responsible for helping the Winnipeg Polar Bears Pee Wee Hockey Club get to the semifinals of the Chevrolet Good Deeds Cup. We've got all this, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Hello and welcome to River City 360. Nolan Bicknell here with you today, along with my beautiful, handsome, wonderful co-host, Robert Zerk. How are you doing today, Rob? I'm well, thanks, Nolan. I'm blushing <laughs> over here. <laughs> well, you know, we're sitting down down in the concourse at the in the Richardson Building and people can see us, and you know, it's good to be beautiful when, uh, when you're kind of behind this glass. So if you're ever in the concourse, walking past CJ and you, give us a little wave, because uh, it's pretty cool to still be in here and, and see everyone walking by. Pretty yeah. fun. It's a beautiful space, that's for sure. It sure is. I love being here, love talking to people, love telling stories. We got a lot of cool stuff to talk about today, actually. Uh, fast Pitch is kind of the big one. Next week, we're going to have uh, a couple of the coaches or a couple of the uh, facilitators on the uh, on the program to talk about Fast Pitch, but uh, this is the fourth annual, right? The fourth, this is the fourth one, fourth yeah. time that Winnipeg has held the, the Fast Pitch. Um, and we've been covering it from the very beginning. Yeah, we sure It's have. kind of amazing. It's cool to kind of see the evolution of how the program's worked, and uh, we were at the semifinal last week at Cirque Moliere, and uh, it was really cool to see so many great pitches. Uh, if, if you guys aren't familiar with Fast Pitch, it's basically, if, you, if you're familiar with Dragon's Den or Shark Tank, you get three minutes to pitch your your nonprofit. It's all nonprofit organizations that come up. They get three minutes, and it's a hard three minutes, and then the microphones are cut, and they just tell the story of their organization, maybe how it came to be, some of the people that they might help. And uh, it's all vying for the grand prize of $10,000 that's happening at the Met next week. Uh, so we're going to be there. We're going to have coverage of that event next week as well. We're going to have a, a bit of a preview this week. We went to the semis and talked to a few coaches and presenters. Sonny had some great conversations with them. So that's going to be coming up. We've got a chat with uh, mental health advocate Kieran Mulchan. We've got a chat with impact maker Rebecca Kirk. And we've got uh, this, the Kyle Mason of the Healing Force. What was that conversation? Uh, uh, what what, what, the, what is that conversation going to, uh, to, to discover, uh, Rob? So we've had uh, Kyle on the show before, and um, he's part of a group that's helping to launch the Healing Forest, which would be the second of its kind in Canada. The first one's in Edmonton. Oh. And um, it would be a, a part of St. John's Park, um, but its own distinct place where you know, people will have the opportunity to come for healing, um, to learn more about uh, about Indigenous cultures and uh, the um, and histories, cool. and uh, and re- a place for reconciliation, a gathering place. Um, you know, we had a chance to discuss some of the features of the park, 
or rather of the healing forest and uh and it, it promises to be a really it's a really interesting project and something that uh, as kyle will mention will will really last for for generations and generations it, and kind of evolve evolve and grow with people over time excited to hear that conversation that's coming up after our first musical break but we always start off river city 360 with a song so robert what have you got for us today We'll start things off with Keb Mo and Dave Cause with There's a Better Way right here on River City 360. They say life is just a state of mind. And that you create your own reality within your mind. Therefore, you are in control. And everything is going to be all right. There is a better way.
joined today by Kyle Mason with the Healing Forest Project Winnipeg. Kyle, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Oh, it's my pleasure. So first of all, can you describe, uh, describe the project, describe what the Healing Forest is? The Healing Forest is going to be a dedicated space for re- reconciliation, for healing, for learning, uh, and for gathering. It's going to be in St. John's Park. And it's going to be uh, just a really uh, sacred, quiet place for reflection and for students and anybody to come and learn and to heal and to grow. Tell us a little bit about how the project began. How did the idea come to fruition? Well, I I don't know exactly at the very, very beginning, but I remember the very first official meeting happened at Nietzsche Commons, back when Nietzsche Commons was still open. And I remember I was sitting at a table, and I saw a few friends that I knew sitting at another table, and I stood up and started walking out. They said, hey, come on over and join us. We have an idea. And so that was uh, near the beginning of the idea of the Healing Forest. And uh, so some of the other committee members came up with this idea that they wanted to bring a healing forest to Winnipeg. There's already one in Alberta, and they wanted to bring one here to Winnipeg. And we all thought that St. John's Park was a really good spot because St. John's Park is one of the oldest parks in Winnipeg, if not Manitoba. And uh, it has a long history, and uh, it it has a connection with the Anglican Church. Uh, Because St. John's Park is named after St. John's Cathedral. And so, uh, obviously, with the Anglican Church being one of the churches that was involved with the Indian residential school system. But now, thankfully, they are, I would say, leaders when it comes to apologizing and trying to make amends and trying to find efforts to reconcile. uh, That this all together just came together at the same time. Plus, St. John's Park itself is going through a time of renewal where the city was looking to refresh the park so we decided to hop in there and say well if you're going to refresh the park and change a few things we think you should make this addition and they agreed. I'm wondering if you can speak to the collaborations in terms of of getting the Healing Forest project off the ground. There are a lot of different people involved a lot of different organizations Uh, there's local um, North End community members like myself there's former politicians involved uh, St. John's Cathedral and the, and the Anglican Communion are involved, uh, the Mennonite Central Community. Plus, there's professors from the U of W, and I'm probably missing a few people, but there's, there's a really cool connection and collection, I should say, of people that are involved with this process uh, and uh, that are coming together to help dream it up, plan it up, and uh, make sure that the, the forest will largely be in place uh, later this year. And why do you think it's important that so many different community members are are coming together to, to try to put reconciliation in action? Uh, reconciliation is for everybody, uh, all aspects uh, of our society and all parts of Canada. So it, it, it's a really good thing, in my opinion, to have a diverse group of people come together to work on this. It's not like it's just a group of Indigenous peoples working on this or a group of allies uh, or settlers. It is really a good, a good mixture of, of people coming together because we all have a role to play in reconciliation and, and healing. Absolutely. And that's been so wonderful to see reflected in a lot of the programs that are involved in the Reconciliation Grants programs and a lot of the people that we've had the chance to speak to. Different perspectives and everyone kind of coming together and, and taking some time to learn and, and listen to one another. Yeah, absolutely. As the son of two residential school survivors, reconciliation uh, is a very, very important topic for me, something that's very near and dear to my heart. Uh, My parents had some very traumatic experiences in their upbringing. Uh, Thankfully, I 
had a different experience, but I fully expect my uh, my young son to have a very different future than my parents did or even that I did, that reconciliation is happening within my family. Uh, that is why reconciliation as a whole is a very important thing because my son and all the sons and daughters of this land deserve and will have a better future and a better Canada as a result. And that is why I'm also thrilled to be a part of the Healing Forest is that it is a dedicated place where healing and learning and teaching and coming together uh, can all happen at a dedicated place. How do you see the conversation on reconciliation happening here in Canada? How do you see it right now? And what do you think needs to happen? Or how does the conversation need to continue going forward? I think the conversation is going along fairly well overall. Obviously, there's still a lot of work to be done. Uh, and I think it's going to take generations. You know, uh, as other people have said, it's taken us generations to get to this point. It's going to de- take a few generations to get to a new point. But uh, a lot of good work has happened in the last number of years. Uh, what we have to be concerned about, or what we have to be cautious of, is that we don't let off the gas pedal. That we keep pressing forward. We keep pressing towards conversations. We keep pressing towards reconciliation efforts. And that we don't kind of start resting and uh, getting relaxed about this. So this is something that needs to be pressed forward in a, a number of different ways continuously for a long time. And so the, the Healing Forest has been under construction for a little bit now. Um, can you tell us in what stage that it's sort of in and, and what are some of the plans on the horizon yet? Yeah, right now, actually, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be submitting some of the diagrams, the final diagrams to the city for the layout and all that kind of stuff. We, we're down to the details of what kind of trees are being planted, what kind of flowers are being planted, uh, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of there's probably like a thousand different details around that because it is part of a city park. So we have to make sure that we fit within those guidelines. But we also want it to be to be and look and feel separate from the rest of the park because it is going to be its own separate place and it has a different meaning than just being a part of a city park. So right now, people, when it's not covered in snow, you can go and you can see that there is a circle there. There are some log uh, benches there. And that's just the very beginning. Uh, later this year, the physical work is going to be done and the healing forest will be largely in place uh, probably by the end of this year. Of course, we are planting trees. It is a forest after all. So those trees are, of course, they're young and they're, they're brand new, so they're small. So it's one of the things I really look forward to is that this healing forest is going to be changing every day and for years to come. These trees are going to mature. It's going to be like a living place where uh, every year is going to look different and it's going to change depending on how people use it or how they want to use it. And so it's going to be a really beautiful, sacred, quiet place. Also, uh, we are earnestly in the, in the middle of uh, planning and uh, creating a curriculum that's related to the healing forest that can be used by uh, any school or class that wants to come down and make use of the healing forest. Uh, so there's different ways to get, in, to get involved that way as well. In being one of the projects that received a reconciliation grant from the Winnipeg Foundation, how does the grant help the Healing Forest Project? Well, the grant is going towards the the formation of the uh, education proponent. Uh, that is, is really going to be the fuel that allows us to create the curriculum and to print it and to make sure that it gets into the right hands. So as a result of this grant with the Winnipeg Foundation, it really is going to allow us to speak into thousands of children's lives. Is there anything, uh, anything else you'd like to mention about, uh, about the Healing Forest Project before we sign off? I think the Healing Forest is an important project. I think it's, uh, it's one of the projects that's going to last for years, if not decades, to come. Uh, and I'm really excited to see that how this forest can impact generations. 
If any of our listeners would like to learn more about the Healing Forest Project, where can they go to get more information? You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. All you got to do is enter the Healing Forest Winnipeg and you'll find us on Facebook and Twitter. Fantastic. Kyle Mason is with the Healing Forest Project Winnipeg. Kyle, thank you again so much for speaking with me today. Thank you. Thanks, Robert. Coming up next, as we mentioned at the top of the show, Fast Pitch 2019 is happening February 28th at the Met. Uh, It's one of the coolest and most inspiring events of the year. We love covering it. We've covered it for the last four years, and this year is sure to not be a disappointment. Uh, There's going to be eight finalists this year from various nonprofits all over the city, and they're going to be performing their three-minute pitch, their three-minute fast pitch, telling you what their organization does and who they've helped and and why their nonprofit is uh, is special and is important and there's a ten thousand dollar grand prize so pretty pretty big stakes here it's really cool and there's also an audience choice component as well so uh, the audience you know you'll have a chance to vote with your smartphones for your favorite pitch that evening and uh, and there's a prize for the audience choice winner Pretty, as well pretty as cool uh, some runner-up prizes and the grand prize. It's a great night. So if you've got nothing to do February 28th, come on down to Fast Pitch. Uh, you can go to fastpitchwinnipeg.org, all one word, fastpitchwinnipeg.org, for more information and for ticket information as well. So we'll learn a little bit more about Fast Pitch after our next musical break. But uh, before we get to that, here's a little bit, you know, Fast Pitch. Everything's moving too fast. Peggy Lee right here on River City 360. It used to take a farmer a day to get to town. Now it takes a minute till his plane comes down. Cause everything is moving too fast. Everything is moving too fast. You better save your money cause everything is moving too fast. You used to eat your spinach, now you never will. Because you think it's my dream to take it in the field. Cause everything is moving too fast. Everything is moving too fast You better save your money Cause everything is moving too That you were crazy, but I'm taking one at noon Cause everything is moving too fast Everything is moving too fast You better save your money Cause everything is moving too I put them in the junkyard, they don't jump enough for me Cause everything is moving too fast Everything is moving too fast You better save your money cause everything is moving too fast 
that was sweet. Now he gets his message from a boogie woogie beat, cause everything is moving too fast. Everything is moving too fast. You better save your money, cause everything is moving too fast. Slow down. Welcome back to River City 360. Last week, I had the opportunity to check out the Winnipeg Foundation's fast pitch semifinal event held at Cirque Moliere. At the event, there were 16 different organizations competing for the chance to be one of the top eight finalists at the showcase next week, and I had the pleasure of speaking with them. For those who are unfamiliar with Fast Pitch, the goal is to increase the capacity of nonprofit organizations by pairing them with coaches from the financial and communication sectors in our city. The coaches help the organizations work on a three-minute elevator pitch to be done on stage where the best pitch wins $10,000 for their organization. Here is Fast Pitch participant Nina Kondo from Elmwood Community Resource Center and Area Association on what she gained from this experience. It's been extremely amazing and rewarding. Um, too often we hear about other organizations working, but getting together as all leaders and working together and learning about each other. Um, I feel like our mission from the center, it's about making Elmwood a better place to live and work and raise family. But I also feel that the fast speech, hearing other organizations has made all of us a better place for Winnipeg to live and raise our family. Although the $10,000 helps the winning organization with their goals, there are many other benefits than just a monetary one. Here's Fast Pitch participant Brendan McKean from Manitoba Underground Opera with their thoughts. I've had the greatest time. Honestly, the coaches, my coaches have been so supportive of me from the very beginning. And then beyond that, every coach here has been so supportive of everything you do. Everybody feels like they can offer advice and just help to work towards a better event overall. Fast Pitch gives participants an opportunity to share their organization's goals in an effective and supportive way, to network and share with their peers and share their organizations with a new audience. Here's Fast Pitch participant Hani Alubidi from Immigration Partnership Winnipeg on his experience with Fast Pitch. It is uh, a very good experience. Um, it gives us some uh, basic training as to how we make the reason behind the big question, why do we exist? And I think through the process of those few weeks that we, uh, we did the training and also mingled up with some people who have done it in the past and coaches and the rest of it, it gave us the opportunity to find the answer for the why that we were looking for, even though we understand and believe in it. However, it's always hard to articulate it to the rest of the people who are not familiar with the job that we do. Now I feel like more confident. I feel able. I think I am very able now to, to deliver the answer of why in a very short period of time. We're going to take a quick musical break, but when we get back, we'll hear more from the Fast Pitch event last week. Stay tuned. much you mean to me 
my world would end if ever we were true. I can't begin to tell you how happy I would be if I could speak my mind like others do. Whenever we're apart But when you're near The words I choose Refuse to leave my heart So take the sweetest phrases The world has ever known And I've said them all to you. Andy Russell with I Can't Begin to Tell You, and you are listening to River City 360 here with Robert Zirk and Nolan Bicknell. Before the break, Sonny Primolo brought us some interviews from the Fast Pitch semifinal that took place at Cirque Moliere on February 13th. Now, the finals are taking place this coming Thursday, February 28th, at the Met here in Winnipeg. And as we mentioned earlier in the program, there are still some tickets available. It's a it's a really popular event, so don't wait. It was sold out last year, so be sure to, uh, to get your tickets quickly. And you can do that by visiting fastpitchwinnipeg.org. Again, the website, fastpitchwinnipeg.org. Sonny spoke with a few other coaches and presenters about their experiences at the semifinal and how they're feeling looking forward to the showcase on February 28th. Fast Pitch is where you're going to get thrown into the deep end. You're going to learn all about who you are and how others see you, and you're going to be so much better off for it. Fast Pitch is a fantastic opportunity for nonprofits in our city to tell everyone what they'd use $10,000 for, and they're all so deserving. Fast Pitch is you need to answer why as quick as 10 seconds. 
Fast Pitch is a really great competition where leading members of our community that serve underprivileged populations, culture, arts, get to present their organizations in front of funders and, and hopefully win a bit of money for their cause. Fast Pitch is about your resource center in three minutes. Just a great experience to learn and grow and share and just be yourself as you learn to share your story. That was Fast Pitch participants Brendan McKean, Hani Alubidi, John Van Leeuwen, and Nina Kondo with coaches Nicholas Joubert and Carly Edmondson on their rundown of Fast Pitch. Here's Fast Pitch participant John Van Leeuwen with his experience with the program and being on stage. It's been absolutely fantastic. I came in with no expectations and working with, uh, with the team here, just, just incredible. I've grown so much just from the time spending, I learned, learned an incredible amount about myself, but also just about how to present and how to, how to share an org, our organization well with an audience, so fantastic. Uh, it's, it's a little daunting, but honestly, they've given us so many times to, to practice our pitch, and it's a, such a supportive group that to be up here, it's almost natural. Uh, it becomes, if, if you had asked me six weeks ago, could I do this, I'd probably say, uh, I don't think so. Now it's almost natural, so it's fantastic. As mentioned earlier, the Winnipeg Foundation's Fast Pitch is a great way for nonprofit organizations to help build capacity, but the participants aren't the only ones that benefit from the event. The entire community does. Here's what coaches Nicholas Joubert from MLT Aikens and Carly Edmondson from Centreport Canada had to say about the event. I think what blows me away about Fast Pitch is every year we hear from a few um, organizations and this year a few more um, and you just realize what the needs are in our community and, and the great people that are working behind the scenes, um, sometimes not in the bright lights, uh, that are working towards addressing those needs and, and working tirelessly to make sure that those people are, are taken care of. I work in communications and marketing so I'm used to kind of fine-tuning how a message is going to be received so in that way I think it makes me a good coach but I also want to write it for them so my biggest challenge has been to step back and really coach and let people develop their pitch in their own way and I think that's stronger because it's personal to them and their organization so that's been my biggest skill that I've been able to work on I think. There are so many incredible organizations doing so much with so little uh, and it really motivates me to learn about them and see how I can contribute. During the semis, all 16 participants were awarded $1,000 for their organizations. On February 28th, the finalists will get to share their pitches one last time for the chance to win $10,000 at the Fast Pitch Showcase held at the Met. The top eight finalists are Ollie Backstrom, SE LifeWorks, Jennifer Girk, Manitoba Hospice Foundation, John Van Leeuwen, Hands of Hope, Monica Duick, Jubilee Fund, Dorota Blumsinska, Immigrant Refugee Community Organization of Manitoba, Janet Forbes, Inclusion Winnipeg, Ken Opalecki, West Broadway Youth Outreach, and Jackie Hunt, The Kindred Project. If you're interested in supporting these organizations and purchasing tickets or would like to learn more about Fast Pitch, visit fastpitchwinnipeg.org. Again, that's fastpitchwinnipeg.org. We hope to see you there. Thanks, Sunny. Now, if you'd like to learn more about Fast Pitch 2019's finale showcase on February 28th, you can visit fastpitchwinnipeg.org. Again, that's fastpitchwinnipeg.org. 
Coming up next, mental health advocate Kieran Mulchan is on his way into the studio to tell us about the fund he co-founded at the Winnipeg Foundation known as A Critical Cause, Gamers for Mental Health. Kieran has been living with bipolar 2 disorder for nearly five years and started A Critical Cause to support mental health initiatives here in Winnipeg. We're going to learn all about his story after our next musical break. And what we've got is a little bit of Billy Eckstein with I Want to Talk About You right here on River City 360. listening to River City 360. My name is Nolan Bicknell and I'm now joined in studio by Kieran Mulchan. He is a mental health advocate and one of the co-founders of A Critical Cause Gamers for Mental Health. Kieran, thank you for joining us today. Hey Nolan, thanks for having me on. It's great to be here. I've known you for a long time now, but I never really knew the full story about um, you've had bipolar 2 for a few years now, but uh, when did you kind of start being, going public and talking about mental health and talking about bipolar and talking and blogging things and just kind of getting your message out there. I started talking about it once I actually had more of an idea of what was happening to me. Um, initially, I didn't know what was going on in my head and in my body, basically having uh, all of these chemical imbalances that are bipolar type 2. And when I was 
going through school, I was having quite a tough time um, coping with that, and uh, the symptoms were getting pretty intense in my life. And finally, once I had a little bit of a semblance of what was happening in my head, I was like, this is something that I need to talk about almost as if I need to cope with it. Is this it therapeutic is, almost? Yeah, this is, well, I mean, so there's two, there's two different things. Like I had, I had a really uh, rough time and I had a couple of uh, um, suicide attempts. And after going through that, I had the awkward time for myself anyway, the tough time of trying to figure out how I was going to tell people that right. I knew outside of my very, very close family. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a conversation that didn't necessarily get as easy as I wanted it to every time I did it and the best way I could cope with it and explain it to the people that I loved and my friends was that uh, I wanted to blog about it because if I wrote it down, I could avoid that. put it out there. I could put it out there and I could say like, hey, this is what's going on with me uh, because the in-person conversations at the time were a lot more difficult and over time, after I've written about it, now I'm a lot more comfortable talking about it. But it took a, a while to do that. So writing about it and blogging about it was the easiest way at the time for me, but also turned into something that I think started to help other people because I was writing down something that they were having trouble mm-hmm. talking about. Right. Yeah. You, I mean, you're you're trained in communications. You're obviously a great communicator, great orator, as we're learning with your answers right now. But I mean, uh, <laughs> what was the hardest part about that whole process? Was it just pressing pressing pu- publish on it or was it the actual writing part? Like what social media, you're very active on social media as well. So is it just kind of what was the hardest part about that whole process? I, honestly, the 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 writing of it and the and, and pressing publish was almost a huge relief because mm. uh the hardest part about doing or going through any of that stuff was how am i going to tell my friends how am i going to tell my family because because what are they going to think yeah or? what are they going to think of me and i don't want to make them worry more than i don't want to make them worry and right. i don't and at the time i definitely felt like i don't want to uh get in the way i don't want to be a burden i really felt like i could do it myself but Mm -hmm. at the same time the best thing that I could do was put it out there so that I could get like more help than I thought that I was going to get because I wasn't just going to get professional help at least my support system had an idea of what was going on Mm -hmm. because a lot of the time uh, you know people with um, mental health issues especially in my case were so nervous about telling people that they had something going on because, you know, you feel like you're lesser than Mm -hmm. somebody else or you feel like you're a burden or that you are uh, letting people down. And yet when I wrote that out and I finally put it out, it was a relief to be able to have had that conversation with multiple people at once by saying, like, here's where it lives and we can talk about it now. And And we kind of got past that first step. And now have you kind of realized that that was almost illogical? Like, like you're not... or was the response to when you finally went public with things the opposite of that? Or was there still some people that like, oh, I had no idea. And did people treat you differently? Or was it pretty much that was just all in your head and there was no burden, there was no negativity afterwards? Uh, I, I think it was almost all positive mm-hmm. in some way. Either just, you know, hey, I don't understand what you're going through, but the way you talked about it gave me an idea of what it might be like. I can find something I identify with, or at least I can say, hey, now that you've said that something is going on, I can 
keep an eye out or if you want to right, talk about right. it or if you want if you want to talk about it or if you want to um, have a conversation, we can try to do that. And, you know, some people were you know extremely open. They were like, please tell me everything I want to understand. And mm-hmm. other people are like, listen, it's it's tough. Like this is a really difficult thing to talk about, sure. either because I'm going through something myself or because I just don't know how to talk to you. But at least I can start saying, hey, when you're looking like you're having like a really bad day or at least you're, you know, like something is going on with you, I don't just kind of either pass it off and say like, oh, maybe it's just a bad day. And that's kind of been uh, alleviated a little bit with, um, you know, things like Bell Let's Talk Day and a lot of these stigma reducing activism that's kind of taking place on social media and actually on this most recent bell let's talk day the winnipeg foundation released a sort of mini documentary about your story and about uh, a little bit about your life and your and your uh your dealing with bipolar 2 and the diagnosis originally but um what was that process like sort of sitting down and telling your story on camera and and really bearing your soul to to a to a wide audience like that i i felt really um again it was like another it was like another level of relief. And I, I think that uh, it's something that I'm I'm thankful and happy to do because like you said, like I, you know, I went to school to be able to at least uh, have a, a decent time when I'm talking about things. And if I can't put that skill to talking about what I've been through to help other people, uh, then, you know, I, I feel like maybe I'm wasting it, but also, you know, like it's something that I have heard from other people is like, what you went through is very similar to what I went through and, or I am going through and, um, it's really tough to talk about. And I would say that I've had practice now Mm, talking about it and not everybody either has the opportunity to practice talking about what they've gone through or it it can be too difficult. And for me, it was part of like being a a therapy for me. Mm -hmm. So it's really, it feels really good to be able to say, like, yes, this is what I went through, and this is a path that so many other people have been on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my story isn't just about me. Like, there's this journey is the same as so many other yeah. people's, where they struggle with what's going on in their head, not being able to cope with it, thinking they could do it on their own, or trying to do it on their own, and really struggling with uh, talking about their issue or their coping mechanisms right. and. Um, you know, like for a lot of people that just stays in the dark. Yeah. So if this just is opening that door, opening that window to an opportunity, just to talk about it, just starting to talk about it is the most important step. Exactly. And, you know, like starting to talk about it, you know, like through me telling my story is a reflection of so many other people's stories. So uh, I feel like that's, you know, like it's our shared story, right. our shared experience that I've, I've hopefully helped illuminate another place where a lot of these stories are shared are at your annual annual uh, video game marathon where there's 24 hours straight of video games and interviews where people come on uh, the stream on twitch and talk about their mental health issues where did this idea come and how has it evolved into what it's become so far tell, tell me a little bit about the 24-hour gameathon for uh, a critical cause well normally i would say that uh, getting a good night's sleep is important but this is the one night of the year where uh, i kind of break that routine because what we do is we uh, have guests on, we play video games as a, as a group and we do it on twitch.tv slash critical cause. And this whole thing came about because, you know, we all play video games. And when I was kind of at my lowest, the best way that I could communicate with my friends and still interact with them when I didn't really want to leave my bedroom and I was 
had pizza boxes piling up was I was playing video games and a lot of people might think like, oh, that's kind of like that, that nerd, even nerd loser kind of look. But for me, it was a lifeline because mm-hmm. I wasn't alone. I could get onto Skype or Discord and, and talk with my friends. I could have voice conversations with them and we could play something together. We could do it as a team and I could have that camaraderie that you get from, you know, playing sports or doing anything else. And I could do it through video games. So now what we do is we get everybody together in this stream and people can watch us play games. They can ask questions of our guests. And we like to have guests that are either involved in the mental health community in Winnipeg or uh, in the development or gaming community in Winnipeg. And they come on and share their experiences. And we have a really great time. And we also accept donations, which we put towards uh, mental health initiatives in Winnipeg, like Mood Disorders of Manitoba or whatever else we can put that money towards. And uh, we do it through the Winnipeg Foundation. So it's a lot of fun. And uh, we play games for 24 hours. So it's it's pretty, it gets pretty wild sometimes, but it's a, it's a great experience for I, everybody. I understand that's coming up in May. We'll have you and maybe a couple of the other guys back on the show to promote that when, when it's uh, a little closer to the time. But uh, how can, where can people learn more about a critical cause or support the fund? Uh, the best way to get information is to go to criticalcause.org. And uh, we've got articles about past streams. We have uh, clips and highlights from previous streams as well. And then you can find out when the next stream are, is happening. And also, you can donate at any time. It doesn't have to be during the stream. Uh, but obviously, that is kind of Very the cool. most fun time to do that. Well, and your story that the Winnipeg Foundation produced is on criticalcause.org. So if you want to learn a little bit more about a critical cause, Gamers for Mental Health, the yearly charity event and community fund supporting mental health initiatives in Winnipeg, go to criticalcause.org. Kieran, one of the co-founders and mental health advocate here in Winnipeg, thank you so much for talking to us today. And uh, we re- really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Nolan. Coming up next, our weekly tribute to a Winnipeg impact maker. This week, it's Rebecca Kirk, one of the parents responsible for helping the Winnipeg Polar Bears peewee hockey team make it to the semifinals of the Chevrolet Good Deeds Cup. We'll learn all about this great story after the break, but first, we'll hear Shirley Harmer with Everybody Loves Somebody right here on River City 360. Everybody loves somebody sometimes Everybody falls in love somehow Something in your Everybody finds somebody someplace There's no telling where love may appear Something in my heart keeps saying My someplace is here If I had it in my power I'd Everybody loves somebody sometimes 
listening to River City 360 Winnipeg. We at River City 360 love sharing all the great stories of Winnipeg impact makers in our city and for those who are unaware the Polar Bears an all-girls peewee hockey team has been working hard to make a difference for Silo Mission through the Chevrolet Good Deeds Cup. With me on the phone to talk about the Polar Bears is Rebecca Kirk the mother of one of the Polar Bears and one of the people that uh, was uh, responsible for helping this all get set up. Thanks for joining us today Rebecca. Thank you for having me. So how did you first get involved with the Polar Bears? Uh, well, my daughter has been playing hockey um, for five or six years now, and I've helped coach and manage. Um, I'm not doing that this year, but um, we've been involved with the Polar Bears organization for quite a while now. <laughs> what is the Chevrolet Good Deeds Cup, and what made you get involved? Uh, the Chevrolet Good Deeds Cup is um, a program that is sponsored by Chevrolet for uh specifically for peewee hockey teams across Canada, so that's 11- and 12-year-old kids. And they want these teams to go out and uh, take all the things they learn on the ice, like sportsmanship and teamwork, and apply them somewhere in their community and just make go out and do good deeds and make their community better. So we saw it advertised, and my daughter immediately wanted to do something with Silo Mission. So mm. that's how we got started. The girls had the choice to choose the charity they wanted to support, and your daughter, she had a lot of good experiences with Silo Mission. So why Silo Mission? Um, we, My husband and I took the kids to volunteer at Silo Mission about three years ago, and my daughter just immediately felt a connection there. So since then, she has been fundraising and continuing to volunteer there. She had a 10th birthday party there with a group of friends where they volunteered, and she's asked for donations for her birthday for the last few years. So it's for it's something that just struck a chord with her, and so we've continued to encourage that as she's gotten older. That's so awesome. The girls so far have donated money, raised from a bake sale, collected winter clothing, and spent a day volunteering at Siloam. What did they learn from their experiences thus far? Um, I think they learned a lot. The, I mean, the bake sale taught them a lot of organization, and they learned um, how to work together as a team to achieve a goal. They were thrilled with the amount of money that they raised. It was over $400. And then actually going to Silo Mission and seeing the area, seeing some of their clients, um, sort of getting an understanding of, to, of what someone who is homeless goes through. The, the staff do a very good job of giving you a tour and talking to them about the challenges that are being faced by these people. I think that was very eye-opening for some of these girls. Um, so that just made them want to help even more. They were actually top 10 out of uh, 300 entries. There were over 300 entries from across Canada, and they were chosen as one of the top 10 teams, yes. Wow. And so what was it like when they first found out that they'd made the semis during the NHL All-Star game? 
that was really cute. Um, I had been given a heads up by Chevrolet, so we got the girls together, and they got to watch the game. And so they were all together in one of their teammates' houses, and uh, they were just jumping up and down and yelling. They thought it was just, just awesome. So it was a really fun moment for them. What's even more awesome is the Winnipeg Polar Bears are the only all-girls team and the only team from Manitoba to make it into the semifinals of the 2019 Chevrolet Good Deeds Cup. What does it mean to you as a mother, knowing what they've accomplished? Um, I think as a mother, um, I'm just really proud of the girls. At no point during the whole process did any of the girls complain about the work they were doing or want to stop. They, the whole process of the fundraising and the volunteering, they were wonderful. And then when they made the top 10, they were trying to get people to watch their video. They were out every day at places talking to people, really trying to just get the word out of how much help Silo Mission needs. So I'm just so proud of how they all stepped up together and worked as a team. Absolutely. And if you see on social media, the community really rallied together to, you know, watch the video and really support the team. They did. They did. They got a lot of support from many different areas of the city. Lots of the media helped them out. The Jets tweeted them out. It was, they they had a wonderful experience. They really did. With the Good Deeds Cup, there's a potential to earn $100,000 for Silo Mission. What do you hope the money will do for them? Um, Well, they have earned $2,000 already from being in the top 10, and uh, the girls got a chance to to tour the area, and Silo is currently, they are currently building a new uh, addition onto their space. So... Um, so that they can help more people. And it's very interesting that this all came during a time when it was so cold out and the girls were really talking about how how important it is that people have a warm place to sleep on these nights when it just gets so bitterly cold. Um, so we just hope that that money will will help them achieve their goal of opening that new space and having more beds. What do you hope the girls learn from all of these experiences? Um, well, I mean, we always just tell our kids that the best thing to do is just go out and try and make a difference and make the world a little bit better than you found it. I mean, you can't solve all the problems that are out there, and you can get overwhelmed by that, but you just have to focus in on something, and you can make a change, even if you're just a kid. How can the community support, and where can they find more information about the Good Deeds Cup? Um, the girls are were in the semis. They have chosen the top three teams this past weekend, so they were not in the top three. Um, but they are still continuing to, to support Silo Mission. Um, they're in the process right now of making another little video just to ask the people of Winnipeg to continue to support Silo, to donate, to volunteer. Um, so really that's what the girls would love to leave sort of as their message from all of this. Absolutely. It's really great that youth can support the community like this. Thanks again for sharing with us, Rebecca. Thank you so much for having us. And we just, the girls would just like to say thank you to everyone in the community who supported them, everyone who stopped to talk to them, everybody who watched their video. And um, yeah, it was just a wonderful experience for all of them. Great bunch of girls there. Thank you again. And this is Sunny Promola with River City 360 signing off. Thanks, Sunny.
that was this week's Winnipeg Impact Maker. And if you or someone you know is making an impact through local business or just through making their community better, we want to highlight their story on the show. So give us a call and tell us about them. And we'd love to have uh, have a chat, have them on the show and tell their story. Our listener line is open 24-7, so you can call 204-944-9474, extension 360. Again, that number is 204-944-9474, extension 360. That's a wrap for this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and a huge thank you to all of our guests for talking to us as well. If you'd like to hear more River City 360, listen to any of our past episodes or subscribe to the podcast. You can do that online at rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM. And we'd love to hear your feedback as well. If you'd like to request a song, suggest a topic for a future show, give us a call at 204-944-9474, extension 360. Again, the number to call is 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can also hit us up on Twitter or Facebook by searching at WPG. GFDN on Twitter and just searching the, the the Winnipeg Foundation on Facebook as well. I'm Nolan Bicknell signing off for River City 360. And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you again so much for listening to the show today and we'll see you next week. Have a great day and a great weekend. Mm-hmm.